From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour was made at the Jazz Workshop in 1961 when a stand-up comedian was arrested. He was placed under arrest for using sexually explicit language on stage, officially the charge obscenity. Although he was acquitted, law enforcement agencies put him under greater scrutiny from that point forward, resulting in drug arrests that happened in Philly and Los Angeles. And then December 4th, 1962, a performance at the Gates of Horn Club in Chicago. Lenny Bruce was arrested for and eventually convicted of violating a state obscenity statute. On appeal, he was defended by a distinguished First Amendment scholar, and in a landmark decision on artistic freedom, the Illinois Supreme Court in People v. Bruce ruled that Bruce's comedy routine was social commentary, not obscenity. In 1969, syndicated columnist Sidney Harris wrote the following, quote, Perhaps the most profound and cataclysmic change in our popular culture the last few years matching the new sound in music, has been the kind of humor exemplified by the Smothers Brothers, Laugh-In, Woody Allen, and that whole breed, whose secret source of strength was the late dark angel, Lenny Bruce. Bruce was the Gertrude Stein of comedians, never fully popular himself because he was too cryptic or too scatological for popular taste. He nevertheless influenced a whole generation of comics, just as Gertrude Stein influenced Hemingway and that generation of writers. Her own work was a dead end, so was Bruce's perhaps, but out of that compost grew the buds of a flourishing school, end quote. Well, that was in 1969. And if you don't know the story of Lenny Bruce, he died at age 40. In fact, that's where our show at the JCC picks up. A new production of the JCC Center Stage tells the story of Lenny Bruce. And this hour, we preview the performance. We'll talk about comedy, free speech, and where lines should be drawn, if at all. Let me welcome to the program in studio, Ronnie Marmo is the star of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Evan. Thank you very much. Uh, also with us in studio, one of my favorite people to talk to is a stand-up comedian, Todd Youngman, who is outstanding at his craft and perhaps the biggest booster of local comedy, often at Comedy at the Carlson. Great to see you back here. Great Thanks to see you, too. Great to be. Uh, great to have you me. with us. And on the line, let me let me welcome now Joe Montaigne, director of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. Joe, welcome. Thanks for being with us. With us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. An honor, sir. Ron Collins with us, retired law professor, co-author of The Trials of Lenny Bruce, and an attorney who worked to secure a posthumous pardon for Lenny Bruce that happened in 2003. Ron, thanks for making time for the program. Great to be on board with this with this group. And Bob Corn Reveres with us. Bob's a First Amendment specialist, a partner at Davis Wright Tremaine LLP in Washington, and an attorney who also worked to secure that pardon to secure that pardon posthumously for Bruce. Uh, Bob, thanks for making time for the program. Oh, happy to be here. Uh, briefly, let me just ask Todd Youngman as the stand-up comedian. Sure. When you were growing up thinking about, or when you really got into comedy yeah. more uh, more seriously. What was was Lenny Bruce in the constellation of comics in your mind? He was there. He was he was there. Um, my dad had the book How to Influence People. I'm not sure if you if you, I'm sure you're aware of it. I, Ronnie. I'm, I'm the voice of it. You the are the voice book. of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Lenny Bruce book. You've heard of it, Ronnie? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and as a you know, 12, 13 year old thumbing through that, um, you know, reading about his life, which was an amazing book, uh, and I recommend it for everybody because you feel. Like you're hearing Lenny's voice through that book. It's an amazing book. Um, but yes, he was very much in my my brain. 
Well, the voice of money is actually right here. It is Ronnie. He sure is. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Makes sense. I actually think the Gertrude Stein comparison is a really interesting one because as I got ready for this program, I thought, oh, I know Lenny Bruce. And then I realized I kind of don't. I, I know of him. I'm not. I, I can quote Carlin. I can quote a lot of different material. Yeah. I can't quote any Lenny Bruce. I don't know specifically. I looked up a lot of his stuff. Most of it I, wasn't clean enough for me to put on the air here. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I know the name. And so I guess that makes sense, Ronnie, right? I mean, that's, uh, yes, that's the, the most Stein people. comparison. Yeah, 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 most people's experience is that. First of all, I'm so excited Bob and Ron are on the phone. I had no idea. Hey, fellas, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Let me just say hey, that. Ronnie, hey, Bob, how you doing, Ron? I thought people would be excited yeah. for Joe, but no, anyway. Well, Joe, <laughs> I love Joe, uh, of course. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, you're, you're well, absolutely right. Let me just explain that. That means if you're not a member and become Oh, now I'm hearing voice, something funky on one of the phone lines, Joe. producer. Producer Megan Mac, maybe now I don't know what we heard there. Anyway, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, most people uh, had the experience you're you're talking about. You know, everyone knows Carlin and Pryor, but Lenny, you know, directly handed the microphone to those guys. So you can see if if you learn about Lenny, then you could see their Lenny's influence all over Carlin, Pryor, and those guys, all the way down to Chappelle, Chris Rock, guys of today. So he's still influencing people. Um, when Lenny when Lenny yeah, was arrested at the gate of Horn. Uh, one of the people in the audience was George Carlin, who gave the cops some lip, and he went away with Lenny Bruce in the paddy wagon. Yeah, that's true. You know, in fact, uh, rumor has it, Lenny said, why did you, uh, why, why'd you get arrested? He said, I didn't give him my ID. And then Lenny said, what are you, a schmuck? And that's that's what happened. So <laughs> That's why we're having this conversation, because there's so many amazing stories that I'm sort of surprised I don't know. And Joe, um, as the director of the show here, what are you hoping people actually take with them? If they're going to know something about Lenny, what do you want them to know? Well, I just, you know, like anything, my feeling is in, in, in our business is all I would want them to walk out of that theater and be able to say, wow, that was you know, an hour or so well spent. What, you know, what they take from it, that, that's a personal thing. That becomes what, what, what that reality is for them. But long as they can say that the time they spent there was like informative, entertaining, fun, shocking, whatever things, whatever, whatever rocks their boat, whatever, you know, lights them up. But I mean, I, I think that's what it's all about. And, 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 and I just feel so good that I, I really feel that, you know, we, we've, well, we've been doing the show for years now, and, and we've accomplished that. And the fact that Kitty Bruce, you know, uh, Lenny's daughter, has embraced this show with such fervor and has basically said, "This is the, <clears throat> this is the one and only kind of uh, uh, interpretation of her dad and her dad's life that she's ever, you know, uh, has approved of." In the sense that, yeah, this is it, and that's enough for me. I mean, that, that's uh, for me that that's that, that basically says it all. I'm not a comedian. I'm letting I'm Lenny Bruce is running March 15th through the 19th. So Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, two shows and on Sunday and on the Wednesday, Thursday shows, they've got post show talkbacks, um, JCC members. 35 bucks, non-members 40, students 20. So it's the JCC Center Stage. I know they would love to see you there. And um, I, I want to read a, a comment we already have from a listener and ask. I think all of our guests come, will come out of this from slightly different angles here. Uh, but Charles writes to say, Evan, there is no line in comedy because that's how freedom works and sacred cows make the best burgers. See also South Park and Dave Chappelle. If you're offended by comedy, the appropriate response is to be an adult 
and move on. I'm going to start in studio. Ronnie Marmo, what would you make of that? What do you think? I think it's perfect and true. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, comedy is supposed to be a, a place where you examine things. I mean, that was Lenny's whole thing, held a mirror up to society and, and examine things. So I think it should be sacred. And I think uh, guys like Chappelle and Chris Rock, I know I keep bringing them up, but they're fighting to keep it what it was. Well, they're of the moment right now, but of course, so I, I think that it's appropriate to bring them up because people kind of have them in their in right. their sights right now. Yeah, it's going to take a whole bunch of those guys to go, look, if you don't like what we're saying, just don't come to the show. But we get to still say it, right? So so I, I feel like Lenny is, um, sadly, I guess, for, for us, is more timely than ever. It just always seems to be... Uh, free speech is always an issue today more than ever with stand-ups. A lot of comics are afraid to do their bits because they're afraid to lose the houses and the cars and they don't want to get canceled, you know? And I always say Lenny was, uh, he was the original guy who got canceled, you know? Well, they Ta killed him. That's how he got canceled. Todd, yeah. Young <laughs> Todd Youngman, first of all, so a lot there. First of all, Charles says there is no line, and if you think there's a line, too bad, get out of the show and go do something else. What do you think? Well, at a, a comedy clubs aren't church. You're not going for a Sunday service. Comedy clubs are where it's the last bastion of free speech. That's where you go. You 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 work your craft. You tell the jokes. You, you step over that line. And some people are going to laugh. Some people aren't going to laugh. And they'll let you know by not applauding walking out of the room, but still, that's the place to go to, you know, step over the line. Ronnie is saying, and you work with, Todd, you should see, we'll talk about Todd's own <laughs> show coming up here, because you should see Todd. Um, you open for people, you, you headline yourself, you travel, you do a lot here in Rochester, mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people in comedy. I do. Do you hear people talking about an increased fear of whatever you would call it. Yeah, absolutely. People like, are talking about if it? If you're in the green room, oh, I don't know if I should do what, what kind of city is Rochester? They'll say, what kind of city? Are they literally, oh, interesting. What, what, what kind of city? What, like, can I get away will, with this? Do you or? think this will work? Should I do this? And, you know, I always say, go for it. Why not? You know, you're going to find out. And, you know, so what if they don't like it? You move on, right? To thy own self be true. Right. You know? Sure, but I wonder if anybody's walked off stage and went, "Hey, man, you told me this would be all right." No, I've <laughs> and never. And they're running me that. out of town. No. no, okay, good. But there's been times I said, eh, "Maybe not that one." I can't remember, <laughs> but yeah, you know, eh, I won't go there. And now you, as a as a stand up comedian, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you would put yourself in any genre uh, of of. And, and I mean, like, are you a clean comic? Are you an edgy? I mean, I don't know what, what those things even are. Yeah. But do you find yourself saying, "Okay, if I'm going to do this bit, it's not." If I'm not going to do certain jokes, it's not because I want to censor anything. It's because it doesn't feel true to me. That, yes. That, that was the, the something morning, early yeah. on when I was starting out. There would be jokes that I feel like if you do certain things or you get a little too edgy or too you know, curse-wordy, uh, people can pick up on that and tell that's not you. I try to give them my true self. You know, uh, I, when I do use terminology, if I'm referring to private parts, I use medical terminology. To me, that's funnier, you know, to use that kind of talk. Uh, some people like to go for it and use the slang words, but I like to keep it, you know, I think it's funnier to use the, the medical terms. <laughs> well, Joe, do you hear talk in the industry of people who are more nervous these days because of the consequences of certain things they might say? Well, it's not just the industry. It's, I think Ronnie made the point. It's, it's in the world. I mean, it's like what I find odd is that, you know, in our, in our profession, many performers, words are our tools. 
I mean, it would be like telling carpenters after all these years since Joseph, you know, Jesus' father was a carpenter to today. You'd have to say, well, you know what? We realize that you shouldn't be using hammers and saws because it might hurt somebody. And da, 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 da. In, other words, in other words, disarm them. Take the tools away from these people because you feel that there's some sort of harmful intent from what their, their use is. But these are words. And if, you know, and, and I mean, even when we were little kids, you had the term, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, I would like to think that it all boils down to intelligence. If people are intelligent and educated, they, they can understand that, you know, we, we, should, we, we shouldn't limit ourselves by our vocabulary, by our words, to, to, to try to make a point. And again, if you don't like what's being said, then, you, okay, voice your opinion. Uh, say, say the contrary. Show the other side of that coin, maybe. But, but, but beyond that, uh, yeah, we're in a very strange place now, where in, in, in many ways, the, the stuff that, you know, if Lenny was doing his stuff you know, today, some of the stuff he got away with back back in the 50s, he would have trouble getting back some some of those some of the things today. So I I don't know. It's it's, it's we're in, we're in an odd flux of, uh, right now, and it's uh, I don't know what the, what the, what the answer is except maybe just like I said, education. Well, let me ask the the attorneys, Ron and Bob. I mean, you know, Charles, the listener, is saying there is no line. No sacred cows, nothing you can't do, and too bad if you don't like it. Um, you, you know, you fought for that posthumous overturning uh, um, in 2003 for Lenny Bruce, but legally, I'll start with you, Ron. Would you advise comedians there is any line here? Uh, well, well, first of all, just uh, for we're clear on the record, uh, I had the idea for the posthumous pardon along with uh, David Scover, but the guy that really uh, did the work uh, was uh, Bob Cohen Revere. So I just I just want to give that shout out to Bob at the outset. Uh, let me put it this way: um, words do offend, you know. And and if they didn't, we wouldn't need the First Amendment. The whole purpose of the First Amendment is to protect offensive speech. So let's just start there. Uh, in terms of Lenny Bruce today, he couldn't appear on any uh, campus uh, across this country. I, I think, given the current cancel culture. Uh, it just wouldn't happen. I suspect there's a lot of clubs uh, that wouldn't allow Lenny uh, uh, Bruce to perform today precisely because of that uh, pushback. Uh, you know, Lenny was the last comedian, uh, uh, the last person criminally prosecuted uh, for word crimes uh, in, in a comedy club. So you know, in this case, never went to the Supreme Court. I mean, uh, and, and thanks to, you know, uh, his efforts, uh, comedy clubs have become largely free speech uh, uh, havens. Uh, but it seems like now, given the current culture, um, that may be beginning to change, and, and it concerns me. What do you think, Bob? Well, I, I think Ron's comments highlight, highlight something that is really an important distinction in this, and that is when you're talking about whether or not there's a line there used to be a line in the law, and that is you could go to prison if you used words that were transgressive, that uh, displeased the local authorities. And Lenny paid that price uh, through multiple trials and ultimately convicted, not just in Chicago, but in New York. Chicago, his conviction was overturned, and in New York, uh, he was sentenced, but then uh, left the state and died before his uh, appeal could be um, uh, perfected which is why we had to go to the trouble of having a posthumous pardon in 2003. But the line that exists today isn't one in the law. Young people who are protesting comics for being insensitive today 
would be mystified to learn that there was a time when you could go to prison for having a risque comedy routine. That's one of the revelations, by the way, of, of Ronnie's show, that it really highlights the difference that existed then that does now. But the line you have to worry about today is offending people's sensibilities. You want to add to that, Ronnie? You- yeah, just just that, you know, the dream for me is to play every college in this country. Uh, and I know what you just said, Ron, but, you know, to me, it's about education. I mean, uh, I, I guess, you know, the, the public opinion, obviously, there, there's a group of people who, who think yeah. Lenny's too much. But having lived in Lenny's shoes for the last five years or longer, I realize what he's, the material he was doing, I feel like, is pretty tame today, and and quite honestly, there's I mean obviously there's certain curse words I can't say, but his material to me was very very smart, and very, and you know and that was the problem. I think he was a bit smarter than everyone else in the room, and I think they had a problem with that. I mean I don't know. I don't think it was just about words. Yeah, too. I mean it, that's a really interesting question, Ronnie, as to his actual act today would it be as edgy? Probably not, because in the fifties and sixties, if you were blunt about sex, for example. And that was somewhat unusual, right? So he he has a bit where he talks about why he doesn't believe men could actually ever cheat on women because for it to be cheating, women need emotional connection. And and he says if me, if men got in a, in a pile up accident and a guy lost his leg and he was being transported to the hospital, he'd make a pass at the nurse. I do that bit in the show. Oh, you do. Okay, so you know it. But I mean, like, so it, it's a commentary on sort of the difference between men and women. It's funny, um, and I I think. It might be a good joke today, but does it land differently in 2023 than it did in 1963? Yeah. Can I chime in on this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, In the words of Bob Dylan, let us not speak falsely now. The hour is getting late. Uh, Lenny's routines on race and and, uh, racism and what have you, absolutely he couldn't perform uh, in any college campus today. And I would assume there would be enormous pushback. uh, I mean, I, I'm welcome. I'm happy to uh, recite the title of one of his routines. I, I just don't know if you guys could have it on the air. But I just cut me. that from the show. I'd like to talk about that if I can. Ron, you're absolutely right. Sure. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's there's a uh, there's a, a bit about the N word okay. that Lenny did. It was very famous, and the whole point of the bit was to take the power out of the word, so a young black kid wouldn't go home crying when somebody called him the word in school. It was actually, and I did the bit for about three and a half years. And it was always scary to do it. I'm not going to lie. I would flip out every night. And by the way, he offended everybody, not just you know African-American people, but that's obviously the most triggering word. But you're saying, I haven't heard the bit. You're saying at the core of it. Oh, yeah. He is, said the is, N-word is, is like to, 20 But it's to take the power of the word yes. away. But you have to listen sure. to the whole bit and you have to get to the end of the bit. And Ron is correct. People aren't open right now. They can't hear that. But I need you to know that I had it in the show for three and a half years. And I did it nine minutes into the show. And I and maybe twice in 300 performances did anyone have a problem? Did people walk out because of it? Only only like twice, yeah. and there, and and many African American people would stand and applaud when I did the bit. They they didn't have any problem with it. But then George Floyd happened, and then I felt like the world really changed. So it was always scary to do it. And then it went to a new level. And then I said, I don't want people to feel that this is Lenny's whole act. Lenny is so much more than this bit. And so I, I took it out of the show, and I think it was the right thing. And Joe and Kitty all agreed, and it just felt like... So, Ron, you're correct about those specific bits, but he was yeah. more than that, you know? 
Uh, sure. And ironically, I would say this to Dick Gregory's son, as you remember, Dick Gregory's son was one of the biggest champions for us to keep the bit. In other words, mm-hmm. he, he thought it was important. He thought it was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was making a point and understood that. So, I mean, here was Dick Gregory, who was like such a champion of, 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 of that kind of stuff back in the day as well. So it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see the perspective from somebody like him. But there, let me also ask our guest before I get to some listener feedback. And listeners, as we're talking about what the JCC Center stage is, is bringing in from March 15th through the 19th this week. So they've got shows coming up here, and they'd love to see you out of the JCC um, with I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. And talkbacks uh, after a couple of those shows, I know they'd love to have you there. Um, and our entire panel, I think it would be useful to hear from you about a, an issue that a listener brought in, brought in via email, essentially saying um, they're not talking about First Amendment issues. They're talking about the free market. And so I think let me just try to kind of sum up what the listener is saying. So let's say if Lenny Bruce were alive today and, and Ronnie's correct that college campuses would be like, you're not welcome here. We don't want your comedy. We don't think it's it's appropriate. We think it's offensive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and even some even if there were protests outside shows. I think what this listener is saying is that's not an attempt to uh, shut down free speech. That's an attempt to use other speech to counter Lenny Bruce and say that the market of ideas is such that your ideas are bad and we don't want them here. And if we can influence people and they choose that to think that it's bad for business, whether it's the Carlson or anybody else to say, if we bring them in, it's bad for business, then we won't bring them in. That's not a, this listener is saying that's not a free speech issue. That's the free market speaking. And one of the things, Ronnie, I think about is I, w- I went looking to see if, if uh, Lenny Bruce was ever on Dick Cavett. I know Lenny Bruce died in 1965. Dick Cavett's like the guy that I wish I could be. And so I'm always kind of curious to see who talked to Dick Cavett. Well, I didn't see any Lenny Bruce there, but Gloria Swanson, an actress in 1971, told Dick Cavett, that she walked out of a show about Lenny Bruce because it was too vulgar. And Dick Cavett said, oh, is it a lot of four-letter words? And Gloria Swanson said, are you kidding? The kids in kindergarten know all the four-letter words. It's Absolutely. not just that. It's, it's He went too far. It was all this other stuff. And I, I wasn't ready for that. And she walked out. So this listener who sends me an email is saying, well, maybe that's the free market. That's not a free speech issue. Let's hear all of our guests. What do you think? Yeah, so, you know, first of all, let me say that uh, Lenny used to feel that I could say whatever I want, and then my boss has the right to fire me. So he, it wasn't one. Yeah, I always say you can say anything once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his boss also can yeah. fire him. Yeah. But you know, and he also used to talk about uh, good taste and bad taste. If you don't have my taste, then you have bad taste. <laughs> See how that works? So I understand that. So there's some there's value in that. But I just think as far you know, look as far as the words, I don't believe in being mean spirited. I don't, and I don't think Lenny was. I think I spoke to one of his attorneys, uh, Mar- Marty Garbus, who came to the show in New York, and we talked. About it. I said, what was really the problem? He said, of course, the words were an issue. He's like, but would he get on stage that one day and he did the uh, bit about the Kennedy assassination and how Jackie Kennedy was she was getting to get she was getting out of the car to run and not get help. That was Lenny's interpretation. She wasn't. So <laughs> Don't there was make a, me laugh at this. No, please. but there was a whole thing. But he said. He, Marty Garber said because he was intimately involved at that time, whether it's true or not. He said that's when they were like, OK, enough with this guy already. In other words, he had too many opinions. Like, what? In other words, don't tell my daughter that if she runs because she's scared, then she's a bad girl. She's not going to live up to this. And we still deal with that in magazines today. I mean, that's the whole point, right? So, so I don't know. There's so much here, but but certainly I understand about free market. I get that. Uh, if you don't want to see the show, don't buy a ticket. 
But some people will find it valuable. Yeah, it sounds to me, Ronnie, like you think we're actually kind of in a middle point where maybe that's the free market, but it's the notion that people have that they have a right not to be offended or uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Well, and that's the difference. That's the yes. difference because you have some people who may walk out of a show because they don't like it personally. But what you have now with cancel culture is a group of people, usually a vocal minority, saying nobody should see that show. It needs to be canceled. That's right. And so uh, that's not the free market operating. Uh, that's what we called during the civil rights era the heckler's veto. Uh, and uh, if I may, yep. uh, this is Ron, Ron Combs here. Uh, uh, you mentioned Marty Garbus. Uh, Marty was one of the uh, sub lawyers in the Lenny Bruce New York yeah. trial. And, and if my memory serves me correctly, he declined to sign the posthumous, the petition to posthumously. Oh, I didn't know Bruce. that. Wow. For for whatever reason, mm. but 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 the point you're speaking to, I, I think it's important to understand the difference between the law of free speech and the culture of free speech. Yes, mm -hmm. the 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 culture of free speech basically has to be one of toleration. Uh, it doesn't. It, it can be broader, uh, and it should be broader than the law of free speech. And and I think in that respect, it is incumbent upon all of us to do what we can to facilitate. A culture that is uninhibited, one that's robust in the words of Justice Brennan. And I think uh, in many respects today we're seeing just the opposite of that. And if we did need a good shot in the arm uh, from Lenny Bruce, and remember, Lenny Bruce paid the dues. I mean, he was willing. I mean, he knew what was coming. I mean, to be willing to go to jail, to be willing to lose your job, well, he died bankrupt, uh, you know, after all of these uh, prosecutions. And he couldn't perform in any club. I dare say, you know, when I think of Lenny Bruce and uh, appearing in comedy clubs today, I'm reminded of an adage, tell your boss what you think of him and the truth will set you free. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah. think, I think any comedian that was as uninhibited as Lenny Bruce was in his time, if they were that uninhibited today, they'd have to be uh, fearful of some pushback. And I think that's where the culture of free speech is so important. Todd, how do you see this question on free market, culture of speech, le the legality of speech? What do you think? The legality of it? Well, I mean, like, I, I think that I, I've never heard it put. I think that was Ron on the phone. They've got a lot of phone guests here. I don't even know who I'm talking to anymore. I'm having a great time. No, that was Ron. <laughs> that was an, <laughs> so, it was Ron, but which Ron? Exactly <laughs> right, right, which one? Uh, no, I, I've never quite heard it articulated that way, and I appreciate that. There's a difference between, you know, the legality of when we're talking about free speech versus what the culture of free speech is and what the culture is sort of doing or how it's policing it. And, you know, so what would you say to the emailer who's saying, look, none of this is about free speech. It's just about the free market of ideas. The what free market of ideas. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like, we're noticing, like, when younger comedians come in, the, the mid to later 20 comics are coming in, they're a little more... They're taking more risks with things they're saying, you know, and usually it was the, the comics who are 40 plus that, you know, they're going to say whatever they want, you know, but we're finding more and more with the 25 and up they're 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 stepping over that line. And, you know, the other thing about and Ron, Ronnie, you might uh, you know be able to speak to this, too. Lenny Bruce wasn't all about belly laughs. It wasn't. It was more right. about the unorthodoxy. Yeah. That's what it, it was. It, he was more of a. A thinker, like a, a, he wanted his audience to, to think and leave with things to, you know, but it was presented in a comedic way. Yeah, that's why my the title of the show is what it is. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. I mean, he 
Yeah, he was. And a, there's more of a quote to that. Yeah. That that yes. you, there's a whole that's right first part of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's Lenny was. Uh, you know, there was a point to his bits. I mean, occasionally he was funny, and occasionally yeah. he wasn't. I mean, listen, my show just to clear it up. You know, it's 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 a very funny, very tragic show and so if you if you like theater if you care about comedy if you care about free speech if you want to meet Lenny Bruce in a way that's what I'm most proud about the show I think is because people tend to tell his story and it's like the bitter end and all that but this you really go on the whole ride of this guy's life and so I you know I'm very proud of it I think what we're doing is important I the fact that we're running for five years and it feels like we're just getting started that tells me a lot people really want to hear from Lenny Joe Montaigne, what would you say to? um, I'm sorry, Joe. What would you say to a listener who thinks that uh, this is really just about a free market issue? Well, I I understand you know that aspect of it, but the things that like one of like I'll give you an example of something that that I find kind of disturbing that's happening now. When you hear about that, they're they're thinking of like editing Huckleberry Finn, yeah, Mark Twain Huckleberry Finn, because they think some of the language in there is inappropriate. Roll doll. Now, if, yeah. If, if, if yeah, but if you read Huckleberry Finn, it's probably one of the greatest novels that are, that is an indictment against racism. I mean, Mark Twain was making a point, and there's this wonderful speech in there, you know, between Huck and Jim on the raft, where that that point gets so so perfectly made, as and, and yet. And, and, and so, but but by so taking out these words that were appropriate at that time, you know, it, it, it's like I read that in, in high school, you know, back in the '60s. I don't feel like it was, it, you know, it was damaging for us to do that because it was explained to us, and we read the book, and it was and made its point. Once you start editing, doing things like that, you know, it, it's not it's not that big a jump from burning the books and saying, well, you should read this and don't read that. I mean, so that's where it gets a little bit scary. So, I mean, but the, the whole thing about the marketplace and all that, yeah, yeah I, I think that that's a valid thing. But it gets, it, when you start crossing that line into and as to who decides what's morally mm-hmm. correct or and what isn't, then, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Then we're, we're starting to give up basic freedoms that this country is, is based on, is built on. Yeah, Joe, to that point, um uh, last week on this program, we talked about how Florida is one of many states, but Florida is sort of a leading state trying to change what is allowed to be taught in schools, in history. Uh, uh, there's no uh, allowance under the law if this law holds up, which a lot of attorneys, and there's two on the, on the phone today, <laughs> say that it won't. But the notion of, uh, you know, you, you can't teach anything about American history that isn't factually proven. You can't have theoretical ideas um, at all. And uh, so I guess science is out, by the way. (laughs) So there's a lot of things. And so um, but to me, kind of the jarring part of this is um, Florida is an example of a conservatively governed state that is responding to what it perceives as the creep on college campuses of an overly sort of uh, politicized and policing left leaning culture. And so what it wants to do to rectify this is just go the other direction and do the same thing in a different politically charged direction, as opposed to trying to create both a new culture and to understand what is allowed to be done under the law. So uh, the notion of how we're wielding this both political and cultural power isn't very inspiring. I mean, people are just trying to kind of use it for whatever sort of suits their own sensibilities or what offends them, and I don't perceive a whole lot of it as very healthy. Um, that's I'm going to get off the soapbox now. That's the end of my TED talk. <laughs> uh, but but um, 
Having said that, we have to take our only break of the hour, and I'm going to take a phone call. Casey, if you're on the phone, hang there. I've got some emails to read, and look what they've got us doing here. Ronnie, Joe, and the whole team has us talking, which is what they want. They want people thinking about these issues and, and where lines are and where they shouldn't be or what happens when we uh, try to say that people can't talk because it's obscenity. Ronnie Marmo is the star of I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce, and Joe Montaigne, director, is on the line with us. Um, an honor to have both of them. Todd Youngman, a stand-up comedian, is in studio with us. He's an encyclopedia of comedy. That's uh, You can put that on your business card, Todd. Don't, don't actually do that. It's not going to help you. <laughs> Ron Collins and Bob Corn Revere are both with us as well, and they uh, worked to secure a posthumous pardon for Lenny Bruce back in 2003. We're right back with your feedback next on Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Tuesday on The Next Connections... We examine the county's active transportation plan. Reconnect Rochester has been checking it out. We'll talk about what they think is working and not working. And in our second hour, a conversation about a new City of Rochester public art initiative. We'll have guests from the city and from partner organizations as well. Talk with you on Tuesday. This is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Let me get a phone call from KC in Rochester first on the line. Hi, KC. Go ahead. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. Good, sir. Good show. Great topic. Hey, listen, um, my question is, is it too late? We are already seeing, as we read articles, as we're zipping through our notes and whatnot on the Internet, words are being flipped out. Words are being not spelled all the way. We know all the way, you know, S underscore X and so on and so on. So this censorship is already happening. Is it too late? And then the second point I wanted to make was the the truth through comedy, i.e. George Carlin, in some of his greatest bits shortly before he passed, you know, the big club, and you ain't in it, gets the point across in a funny but yet between-the-eyes direct manner. Do we still have that? I'll let you guys discuss. Well, first, yeah, thank you for the phone call. Casey, it's not too late, man. I mean, that's why we're having these conversations right here. I mean, th- there are times where I hear um, people say, well, it's never been this bad. It's so bad. Like, the world, for the most part, has never been this good. It's also never been this fraught <laughs> with p- actual danger. Um, and there's a really interesting new book by Tim Urban out that, that describes this mountain that we are scaling right now. We are reaching high heights of um, bringing people out of poverty, helping kids, helping uh, infant mortality, all kinds of great things. We also have a potential to really crash the ship here in a lot of different ways if we are not careful. So we are entering a fraught era, but it's not that it's never been so, never been this bad or it's it, it's too late. It's not too late. And that, that's why we're having this conversation. No one is telling us we cannot. Otherwise, I don't know, maybe they'd come in here and arrest you and me, Ronnie. Do you think it's too late? No, I, everything you just said is perfect. Absolutely. I think it was, you know, it's always timely. And, uh, you know, we just came out of a, you know, a four-year uh, time with, obviously, things changed quite a bit with our last president uh, in terms of, you know, what you can say and what you can't. But, no, I don't think it's too late at all. In fact, I... Uh, you know, I, I think that's the point. That's the point. That's why I'm still doing this show. I mean, like I said, people keep showing up. The other day I did my 400th and 10th, 410 in, in uh, Buffalo. That's a lot of times to do this monologue. And uh, you sold out every show in Buffalo. So people want to hear from Lenny and they want to talk about it. So, no, I don't think it's too late. Todd Youngman, too late? Not too late. No, I don't think so at all. You know, and not to go away from Lenny, but 
you got to remember, I think it was, it was 1972 when George Carlin was arrested, I think in Wisconsin, for doing the seven words you can't say on television. And that doing that and being arrested, it actually catapulted his career. Like it made him bigger. So I uh, honestly, I don't think, I think you can go out there and be as brash and brave as you want on stage. And if people give you flack, I think it in a way will, you know, catapult you because they say, you know, no press is... What, what's the saying? All press is good press. All press is good and, press. And the worst kind of press is no press. Yeah, and, and the notion of when people protest outside something, what Todd's saying, you're actually bringing more attention to them. Um, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the Carlin uh, parallel is an interesting one. Joe Montaigne, too late, Casey says. I, I, boy, I hope not. And, and the thing is, but yet, on the other hand, you, in other words, I think what's important is that America, this country especially, has to be that beacon of light to shine through all this stuff. Because if, if, you, if you watch the Oscars last night, there was that, to me the most poignant moment was, was when that woman got up and spoke about her husband, who's you know <clears throat> incarcerated in Russia, Navalny, is it? Who's Navalny? Yeah. Navalny, who spoke out, and because of it, they tried to poison him, and he's in, he's in solitary confinement in prison for things he has said. So, I mean, as long as that kind of stuff is still existing in the world, we here, at least in this country, have to, you know, and sometimes it's not easy and sometimes you're going to catch some flack for it. But, but at the end of the day, we have to be that beacon of light to be able to say, you know, it just even the fact of a free press is just so important. With, you know, I, there's, there, there's a wonderful the museum, which I don't think they have anymore in Washington, D.C. They used to have this map on the wall that had little points of light that all the different countries in the world that had a free press versus countries that didn't. And it was shocking to see how much of this planet they're restricted as to what people can say and what kind of information can be exchanged between the yeah. public and, and what's going on. And, and, and if that starts to change, then we're in real, real trouble. So I have to do everything we can to defend that. And even Alexei Navalny from prison in Russia will tell you it's not too late. I mean, I understand why Casey starts to feel that way. Ron Collins, what do you think? Well, first of all, uh, I think that comedy clubs uh, may prove to be the most important liberty lifeline uh, today, given what's going on in culture. And, uh, uh, and Joe, thanks for mentioning the museum where I had the uh, honor of working for 10 years. Um, you know, I think that uh, what we really, I mean, really, uh, in many respects, comedy clubs are more important now than ever precisely because they may be the last free speech zones. Um, and, you know, I don't think uh, as much as I enjoyed the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I, I think we need a lot more than that. Uh, I mean, I was pleased to see uh, Netflix live uh, comedy um, special that they had recently. And uh, Ronnie and Joe, are we going to see a miniseries? Uh, you know, I, that's what I was. You want to break like. any news here? Uh, uh, not quite yet, Joe. Do we want to break any news yet? <laughs> we're not ready to break anything yet, but hopefully, we're bending things in that direction. <laughs> we we got a couple couple things working. I like that. Well, go guys. That is officially we, we could, bending news. And here's the thing about Maisel. Let me say, Ron, because I hear you loud and clear. I was so I'm so grateful that they brought Lenny's name back into the, you know counterculture and people of this generation now lo know Lenny's name. But that that's just a little taste. We got to take Lenny. I mean, you come see my show. You that's like an intro to Lenny, and then you come meet Lenny when you see the show. We we kind of you know it's a very different experience than Maisel, and I'm grateful because it, it opened up our world. Believe me, but it's a very different show. Bob Cornerveer, you want to weigh in on this too? 
Sure. And I say it's not too late, but also it's important to look at that distinction that Ron was talking about earlier between the law of free speech and the culture of free speech. In the law of free speech, speech has never been more protected than it is today. And the idea of a comic being arrested and pulled off the stage is unthinkable under the law in America today. But the culture of free speech is the one that's constantly under challenge. And why I completely agree with Ron that uh, um, comedy clubs are really a vastly important uh, part of that to change hearts and minds. Shows like like Ronnie's show, uh, I'm not a uh, comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce, critically important for educating people about the dangers of having the law that doesn't protect free speech and also the intolerance that uh, can uh, cancel the uh, um, the culture of free speech. Let me get back to your phone calls. Jane in Rochester next. Hi, Jane. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I had the wonderful experience. I'm one of these people that loved school, and it was such a thrill to go to college because uh, – I learned that there's no answer. And what we would be given in in the text form even, uh, I remember opening up and there are three points of view on a specific issue or situation. And you read through all of that, and you're to choose the one that most fits your point of view. And then you've got to write an essay explaining why it does and what you think. So a lot of people miss the idea that Higher learning is focused on teaching you how to think and not just swallow whole what anybody says, but to think it through yourself and defend it if you if you enunciate it or you write. So they don't understand this. So what do they call it, the left-wing creep? I hope so because there's plenty of right-wing creep. And so, so, you know, we've had that for, for forever and things left out of the history books. And it's just sort of evening it up and giving you a choice. So it's teaching you to think. And you can't teach people to think with one point of view only. Thank you very, very much. Oh, Jane, always good. Thank That's you. I, you got a thumbs up from Ronnie Marmo there. That was yeah. amazing. That was That's, great. Absolutely. That's the whole point. Absolutely. That's great, Jane. Um, so, Jane, I appreciate that. And... That is actually a big part of the laws in various states. Um, what are we going to teach people, and what are we going to make sure they they think, as opposed to how are we going to teach them to think critically and to embrace the fact that there are other competing ideas that might have value, too. Um, we always say on this program how beautiful it is when your mind changes. It's one of the most exhilarating things. It is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Um, and I don't know— um, you know, if, if if you don't know much about Lenny Bruce, I don't know, Ronnie, if people are going to walk in and think differently about the world after it. Uh, does it shake them up a little bit if they don't know much about Ron, uh, about Lenny? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 quite an experience. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but just let's just say that I, I start the play dead naked on the toilet, and it doesn't let up for 90 minutes. So if anyone's interested in I mean, you put that, clothes on pretty quickly. Well, I, I get dressed the entire first scene, yeah, so I wouldn't say quickly. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to talk. But it's it's actually, it's very tasteful. So if you're scared of nudity, don't be scared. And if you don't sit house right, you won't, you know, there won't be a big surprise there. So don't worry. <laughs> so, the, the mystery's over if you sit house right. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, he was 40 when he died. Yes. Um, how much of a loss at 40? I mean, do you think about what the rest of his career would be like? I don't think there'd be a play about him. 
<laughs> you know, if he had he lived. I mean, I feel like, listen, of course. I mean, I, listen, Kitty Bruce's family at this point were very, very close. She's dear to me. Uh, Lenny's friends, you know, would have been in their 90s. So many of them have come to see the show. And so I take this as a, as a big responsibility. And I, and I don't take it lightly that I get to, to tell Lenny's story and hopefully continue on something that was cut short for him. And at the same time, I think... You know what an important person. I mean, so important, and I'm I'm just grateful I get to do it. You know, and uh, excited about that. This is always instructive. Let me ask Bob and Ron a question that I always like asking attorneys or people who've worked in in various sort of legal circles on this. Bob Corn Rivera, I'll start with you. Is there, um, is there a more misunderstood idea <clears throat> about uh, in this country than, um, you know, th- than free speech or you know because what we have is consequences for speech. But at the same time yeah. here, we're having a conversation about um, more than just the law. We're having a, a conversation about the culture of, of how we react to objectionable speech. But, but often people will say, well, how come I got fired? I thought I was allowed to say that. Don't I have free speech? I think, what would you say, Bob? What do you want people to actually understand about what free speech means? Yeah, I think uh, you've put your finger on it, and it's something that's threaded through the the earlier part of the conversation, and that's the difference between the legal protections for speech provided by the First Amendment to the Constitution and the cultural tolerance for freedom of speech and support for a culture of free expression. And so people think that a law that protects free speech means they can say anything without consequence. That's not true. I mean, people may protest against it. People may disagree with you. People may dislike you for it. That all goes with it. You may get fired for it, right? Um, But the law protects you against the government censoring your speech. Um, And so people tend to think that freedom of speech means anything that – uh, that enables you to speak or uh, that you can't be criticized for your speech. And that's just a misunderstanding. And so the step beyond that, when I think about Lenny Bruce is um, what happens when we actually do start arresting people and, and, and saying upset. The, the strangest part about the Lenny Bruce story to me. And again, this is a lot of this is new to me is that, he was apparently arrested multiple times for obscenity, and obscenity is famously, I know it when I see it. You can't even define it. Even the legal mind said that. I mean, that's not apocryphal, right, Bob? I mean, that, how do you arrest somebody? How does the state arrest somebody for something that we can't even define? Well, he, well, he was arrested during a time when the, the Supreme Court was trying to define obscenity. And that uh, line, I know it when I see it, came from a famous uh, concurring statement in the Supreme Court opinion where Justice Potter Stewart said, I can't intelligibly define obscenity, but I know it when I see it. Um, And so um, the Supreme Court has struggled with that issue of how to define obscenity for years. And that came 100 years after uh, obscenity was adopted as a very expansive concept that covered everything from birth control uh, to speech about abortion, to spicy novels, to salacious art. Everything was sort of lumped in with that label. And then it was right when Lenny Bruce was at his most popular that the Supreme Court was trying to narrow down the definition so that it didn't include everything, so that it was a very limited concept of um, erotic speech that went beyond the acceptable limits. Ron Collins, as a retired law professor, am I wrong to think that you know, I don't want a justice saying, 
Well, I know it when I see it because something that is so subjective, I would, I would remind the justice that what he sees might be a little different than what Todd Youngman or Evan Dawson or Ronnie Marmo sees. Well, Lenny Bruce might have uh, reworked Justice Stewart's uh, admonition. I mean, I think Lenny would have said, I, I know it when I feel it. Uh, and that might have been, <laughs> you know, his, his, his take on this. Uh, I mean, let me put it this way. In terms of lines, um, I mean, obviously there are time, place, and manner. I mean, you know, what you can say in a comedy club, um, you wouldn't say in a synagogue, uh, you know, uh, for example. Uh, or if you could, you wouldn't be a member of that synagogue very long. So, I mean, you know, there's obviously, you know, those things come into play. Um, but again, I think the idea is, um, you know, to we, what we really have to work on is changing people's, doing what we can to get people to think about the importance of tolerance and not to kind of, I mean, I think Nat Hentoff had it right years ago when he said free speech for me, but not for thee. I mean, that's really the kind of mindset of too many people. And it was precisely that mindset that Lenny Bruce uh, was trying to get people to move away from. Just very quickly, Lenny Bruce, in terms of obscenity, the, the dirty words he used were a pretense to arrest him for the speech that he was saying that was offensive, the speech that he was saying that was offensive about uh, 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 religious people, about uh, people uh, who were uh, you know, disingenuous about the things that they said in public. So it was really, you know, the words were less, I mean, nobody in the comedy club ever complained to the police about the words of Lenny Bruce. It was, it was the fact that his routine offended people, offended them uh, in terms of their views about religion or what have you. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. And I think that, uh, you know, for folks that are going to, uh, to Ronnie's uh, show, they should take somebody who's, who could be offended. And, and maybe they'll walk away and learn something. Very interesting idea. Hey, Joe Montaigne, we're running out of time. 30 seconds. You, get, you could do so much right now. Why are you choosing to be part of this one? Well, look, I've been in, I've been in the, the newness for over 50 years now. And so when you, when you run into something that is, of, of, you know, when Ronnie first came to me and had this, this material and said, I'd like you to, 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 to see this thing I've got. And he basically did this almost 90-minute monologue for me. And I said to myself, this is theater. This is important. This should be seen. Absolutely. Let's, put, let's, let, let, let's make something out of this. And that's all. It, it, it's of worth. It's of value and needs to, be, need, needs to be put out there. And I'm just glad that we've been able to do it and, 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 have been, and, continually, and still continuing to do it. So that's it. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. The 15th through the 19th this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, twice, and on Sunday at the JCC Center Stage. And Todd Youngman, who's yeah. been generous with his time, you've got shows coming up that... I don't know if people are going to be offended. No, they won't. Oh, no. Well, you don't know that. Come on out for they some stuff. They might be. Then I'm they not might be. There's going to be some <laughs> stuff, maybe. I'll throw some stuff in there. You don't know what offends me. I don't know. What does that haircut? <laughs> it sure does. This one. Right, that's COVID. <laughs> I don't know what COVID. COVID. I don't know what happened there. No, just let it go. But I would like to cancel culture your hair. Thank you. I actually really like your hair. <laughs> Thank I'm you. just kind of being. You can run trend. your fingers through it later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm envious. Yeah, can I say something real quick? Absolutely. I'm a, a comedy nerd and I collect yeah. vinyl. One of my favorite albums is Lenny Bruce live at Carnegie Hall. I'm sure you know about it. February 4th, 1961. <laughs> An amazing album. He flew up from Miami to do this show. Couldn't get into New York. Flew, flew to Boston. Took a train. Took him 12 hours the show started at midnight 3,000 people with a travel man came out to see this show at midnight to watch one of the greatest performers ever it's on YouTube you can listen to it 
listen to the album, then come see Ronnie and see what it's all about. And yes. where can we see you, Todd Young? Comedy at the Carlson, March 31st, April 1st. Have fun there. I know you always do. I do. I love comedy. Thanks, man. Yeah. I really appreciate you. That's Todd Youngman, uh, stand-up comedian right here in Rochester when he's not traveling. I saw you on stage in Toronto. I right? was. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, and Ronnie Marmo, star of I'm Not a Comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. Thanks for telling the story here, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me out. I hope you guys come see it. Great to meet you. Joe Montaigne, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Great having you, sir. And Ron Collins and Bob Corn Revere, who worked to secure that posthumous pardon for Lenny Bruce that happened back in 2003. Thank you for the expertise, gentlemen. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks. Our thanks to the whole team here. It's Megan Mack and David Griffin and Evan Dawson saying thanks for listening. We're back with you tomorrow on Member Supported Public Radio.